Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Megan Rayfuse. Megan is the co-founder and CEO of Shift Collab, an online virtual mental health practice offering therapy, workshops, and programs across the country. Her mission is to help ambitious people do more, give more, and be more. In short, to be all that you can be. Megan saw an opportunity in the industry for a business to be practitioner-owned and patient-driven, so she started up a clinician-first therapy practice offering simple, relatable, accessible mental health care. Today, her team is made up of over 125 mental health clinicians and counting. Welcome, Megan, to Trial Legend. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Today, I am coming at you from Hamilton, Ontario. I have to admit that I am part of that millennial-driven exodus during the pandemic where home affordability looked a little bit easier in Hamilton. And so I made the exodus with my family, spent a lot of time on the 403 commuting to my favorite city, Toronto. I'm sorry, Hamiltonians, for saying that out loud. But you know what? I'm doing really great today. I'm so excited to be here and to be talking about Toronto, a city I really love. Well, excellent. Well, we're very pleased to have you. And if I may ask, who makes up the household these days in Hamilton? Oh, great question. So it is me and my husband, who is a co-founder and CEO of Shift Collab. He uh, He's actually upstairs in the attic working away. People always find it funny when we're on meetings together. And I say, oh, Jordan is actually just in my attic and he is my husband. And we have a toddler named Miller, and I'm actually pregnant expecting our second child. So it's going to soon be a family of four. Let the chaos reign. And I have a dog and a cat who honestly try to come into my office when I do these recordings. But today we're keeping them out. Obviously, no shortage of excitement in the household. So congratulations. Sounds like you got everything under control and more challenges and excitement ahead. Now, Megan, you are not only an entrepreneur, but also a therapist yourself. Do you mind sharing your professional credentials? I know in the mental health industry, oftentimes people can can really ask questions like, what is the difference between a social worker, a psychologist, a registered psychotherapist, a psychiatrist? And I really like this question because it helps me to really break down what I am in terms of my practice credentials and what other people uh, bring to the table. So I am a registered social worker by background. That means I have my master's in social work, and that allows me to practice as a psychotherapist. You hear registered psychotherapist. Essentially, they are also psychotherapists. They're just with a different regulatory body than my social work regulatory body, and they can do therapy as well. So social workers and psychotherapists practice mental health therapy and counseling. Psychologists can diagnose, and psychiatrists diagnose and prescribe, and they're a medical doctor. So if you're someone who's like, what is the difference between all these titles? Uh, Know that you're not alone. We oftentimes don't make the mental health industry easy to navigate, as I'm sure many people appreciate. But my title is registered social worker and psychotherapist. And I like to say, you know, I'm a social worker and therapist turned CEO. And when I say that, oftentimes people are like, oh, that's wonderful. And I just want to normalize if you're an entrepreneur listening to this or someone who has moved ranks within a company, it's a lot of work. And so the skills that make one a therapist don't often translate into making one a CEO. 
And so I'm really, really grateful now that I'm able to bridge my skill set in the ways that it works. And I was able to learn skills that have helped me to be a CEO of my company and lead the charge for Shift Collab in making a difference in the mental health industry. Well, let's flip that switch over to the role of CEO. What is Shift Collab? Shift Collab is Canada's leading mental health practice. We operate all across the country. We have a team of mental health therapists uh, supporting clients seven days a week um, with multiple issues. So our therapists bring a lot of clinical expertise. They support many challenges all the way from mental illness diagnosis, so ADHD, OCD, uh, personality disorders, mood disorders like anxiety and depression, all the way to things like, hey, let's work on your mental wellness. Let's deal with that breakup. Let's deal with that work stress. And so Shift Collab was really born out of a desire to offer quality and relatable mental health care at a time when the mental health industry was still very white coat, clipboard, blank slate therapist. And, you know, what society and what a lot of people were really looking for is, can I have a therapist who is a human, who can show up as a human in session, who, you know, isn't afraid of a little self-disclosure because it helps me to feel better that my therapist is also human dealing with things. And that for me was a big driver was to create a model of care that I really needed at a time when I needed it, as well as to ensure that our industry could change with not only the mental health demand, which obviously we're seeing, but with the consumer's wishes for what they want from their mental health experience. Well, the problem, Megan, that you wanted to solve with this business is that it's hard to find a therapist that, quote, gets you. What do you mean by that? Oh, my gosh. So oftentimes when I talk to our team of therapists, the number one thing they they say is we're human first. We are people first. We have credentials and experience that can support our clients. We're obviously regulated by a body that ensures that our clients are kept safe from malpractice, etc., But the most important thing that our therapists acknowledge is like, you know what? Therapy isn't only about dealing with the heavy stuff all the time. It's about making plans for growth. It's about, you know, talking about the complexities and intricacies of just like living your life as a human, which we all have. It's sharing some laughs. It's, you know, recognizing that therapy helps to build skills that help us get through difficult times in our life. And therapy is really a good thing anytime. And so we're really moving from a treatment model, which really was like, hey, what's your issue? Let's just work on that. To now mental health consumers and people living with mental illness, wanting to work on their mental wellness, want to make therapy and want to have therapists who really understand that therapy is like going to the gym. You're going to build skills. It takes practice. You're working on your muscles uh, to deal with like ways that you cope and how you deal with struggles or how you cope in your relationships. And so I still handpick our therapists for our team because I really believe that clinical expertise guides the care, but it is that personality. It is that willingness to go above and beyond. It is that willingness to be relatable and human that really drives the therapeutic outcomes. Research tells us that the number one predictor for success in therapy is having strong rapport and a strong relationship with your therapist. And so, you know, an analogy I use is therapy is like dating. You know, you might go through a a few duds, 
before you find the best fit. But that is a normal part of the process. And so our therapists at Shift Club know that, you know, a client might have a meet and greet visit with one or two of them. And they encourage and support that because they know that the relational impacts of therapy are so important on the treatment outcomes that we want to make sure the client has the best fit. Well, tied into all this is presumably the number one question that you get asked, how do I find the right therapist for me? What's your answer? You know, I wish I had like a cookie cutter answer to this, but honestly, it takes a little bit of work. So at Ship Club, we make it really easy. We have a five-minute matching questionnaire you can do online. You can quickly fill out, you know, what is it that's prompting you to seek therapy now? What type of therapist are you looking for? You know, do you want a queer therapist? Do you want a therapist with a certain gender? Do you want a therapist who specializes in specific life challenges? And our system will present you with your top three picks that we would suggest on our team. What then I suggest you do is have a meet and greet. It's a free 15-minute phone call. You get a chance to ask the therapist about how they practice, the ways in which they practice, what their rate is, and they get a chance to learn about your goals. And in that call, you'll mutually decide, hey, do we want to move forward with therapy? Let's get an initial session booked in. Or, you know, hey, maybe I recognize I'm not the right fit for you or you don't feel like I'm the right fit. I'm going to help point you in the direction of the right therapist who is because I want to see you be successful in therapy. For clients, we usually say, you know, You got to kind of trust your gut on it. You'll feel if it's off. Just like when you go on a first date and you're like, "Uh, no, I don't think this is right for me. Or like, yes, I want to keep talking to this person. I think I really jive with them. And so for clients, we say trust your gut, but also normalize that this is a new situation for you. So it's going to be nerve wracking picking up the phone or logging into a video, talking to someone brand new and sharing your challenges. So you're going to kind of balance that bit of hey, this is really kind of scary and I'm taking a new leap with, what is my gut telling me about how I would feel working with that person? And that's really what I suggest to clients. And for clients, ask questions like, you know, have you treated challenges like this in the past? Is there something in your life that, you know, maybe maybe you've been to therapy in the past and you just know what kind of therapist works best for you? Can you support me in these ways that I need. So just be really honest. And a good therapist will ask you the right questions to help you parse out what you're really looking for in a therapist when you have that meet and greet call. Well, Megan, I think these are great analogies. Therapy is like dating. Therapy is like going to the gym. It really brings it down to a human level. Now, on this podcast, we love to talk about the business of running a startup and the case studies that make up new businesses. So let's talk about your business model. Shift Collab is 100% virtual. We are 100% virtual. However, that started during the pandemic. So for those of you who are familiar with the Yorkville neighborhood, uh, when I launched my practice and when Shift Collab was born, we were actually born on Prince Arthur Avenue. So there was this little building, three-story building that had an Indian restaurant on the main floor called The Host. So many people recognize The Host because they had this like amazing Friday lunch buffet and and they've been around forever and ever and ever. And so The Host actually kept us fed quite a bit in those long days working in the therapy clinic. But it was such an interesting building. I mean, you know, clients would joke that the carpet looked like The Shining 
And the elevator was always like a little bit wonky. So it was a great elevator to work with clients on if they had any kind of elevator phobia, because it like truly was one of those ones that you would be really afraid of. But yeah, the building was full of um, doctors and mental health practitioners. And that's really where I started my my first stab at private practice, which was like renting an hour by hour office space from a colleague. And then soon after grew into renovating a clinic on the third floor and running Shift Club as a private practice. So while we are virtual now, our humble beginnings really started in an office in Toronto. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes when I go to events or I meet people, they say, you know, I was actually a client and came to your little office. It was a three-room clinic. We had a little reception. And we just talk about how magical that space was. And so thinking back, I just have so much pride and so much gratitude for, you know, that little office that could in Yorkville that shaped, you know, what Shift Club is today. During the pandemic, we decided to go fully virtual, obviously, because that is what clients needed. That is the type of care we could offer. But also because, as we know, Yorkville changed. And so we were approached to end our lease early. We made an agreement with an, a developer. They were tearing down the building. Recently, I actually went for a walk around Yorkville and and saw that they're building some townhouses there, which like, obviously, as Toronto changes, you know, I have to change with it. But I'll admit I felt a little bit of grief around around how things, you know, how things change and how special that space was. But we have most of our, our team of 17 staff live in Toronto, spend their time in Toronto. And we have about, I want to say about 30 therapists right now who actually live like downtown Toronto. And so not including any of those, the suburbs are outside. But, you know, our downtown Torontonians really take pride in being downtown. And so I did a poll of our team and and they all raised their hands. So 8,500 clients, like downtown Torontonians that we've supported over the years. And so so I'm really proud of our humble beginnings in Toronto. Well, when you talk about those humble beginnings on Prince Arthur above the host, what transpired and what did you not do that turned into a really lucky break in terms of changing from a physical office to virtual? So one of the things that honestly I can say saved our business was as we were talking about being kicked out of our office space, the building being torn down, we started to really look at other office spaces in in the city. And admittedly, when, you know, when change presents itself, we were three years into to a running clinic. We were outgrowing the space really quickly and change presented itself. And suddenly I was like, well, let's go big or go home. Like, let's build a big office space. So we were looking at a space just around the corner on Bloor, but it was going to be about a $300,000 fit out. It was going to have, you know, 12 treatment rooms, a group room, you know, be a beautiful space. And it was about $30,000 a month in rent. And, you know, I am an adhd -er entrepreneur. I am that like typical entrepreneur who isn't afraid of risk, who knows I can kind of handle the outcome as it comes. And, you know, I, I usually typically would have been like, let's do it. But something about making that decision at the end of February in 2020, something just didn't sit right. Like, like my gut was telling me something is off. Let's just wait a bit. 
And as my husband, who's the co-founder, he was like, this is not like you. What's going on? We have to make decisions. And I was like, let's just wait. Two or three weeks later, we were shutting down our clinic because of the pandemic. And I'm so grateful that I just trusted myself, that I just didn't rush it. Because as a small business owner, a female-owned business, a clinician-owned business, we're actually fully bootstrapped. So that means that we have no external investment. We don't have like venture capital behind us. We don't have investors. So that means that any financial decision comes from the revenue or profits of our business or is guaranteed by me personally. And so, you know, looking back, I'm just so grateful because I don't think Shift Club would be what it is today had I made that decision to not trust my gut and move forward and sign a big lease. Well, certainly in that case, patience was a virtue with your decision not to expand your physical space. So as you know, you're 100% virtual. Megan, your clinicians are your partners or are they independent contractors or are they employees or how would you describe your relationship with your practitioners? One of the things in our industry is that you typically will see conversations around mental health companies where they they say, we have a network of 2,000 therapists, say. And I intentionally did not design a business in that way. One, because in the past, I was one of those contractors at a business that had 2,000 contractors. And, you know, it just felt like a factory. It felt like we were just pushing clients through, didn't value the the therapeutic journey for the client, tried to minimize sessions. And so when I was building Shift Club, I was very intentional that we will hire independent contractors um, for our therapists. However, it's not a network model. So our contractors, some of them work full-time jobs and do this on the side. Some of them work part-time jobs, do this on the side. Most of them dedicate most of their working time to us. So not all, but most. And, you know, we re- we're mindful of the difference between employee and contractor. However, We want to make sure that our clinicians are set up for success to support our clients. We want our clinicians to be with us long term. We want our clients to be with us long term as they ebb and flow out of therapy and seek the support they need. So something really important to us is supporting our therapists with supervision, group supervision, making sure that they're practicing in the best way they can. We do training, professional development. We all are connected on Slack. So while 125 seems like a big number, we actually operate like a community. It's really great to see, you know, therapists asking questions. Hey, does anyone have this resource? Like, I really want to support a client with this. Or, you know, hey, I have a referral. Um, My client wants to go to couples therapy. Who can support? So all of our clinicians know each other. They are tied to the brand. And what that means is we have some brand control. And I think that is really important because... We want our clients to know when they access care at Shift Collab, they are getting a Shift Collab therapist who understands our needs, who is invested in building their career with us, and who believes in our mission of making therapy simple, relatable, accessible, and be the, the leading provider in Canada. And so, you know, oftentimes, admittedly, as the CEO, I can be like, oh my gosh, like we're not growing fast enough, which I think a lot of startups feel. However, at the same time, I don't want to be that network model because our clients matter and their care matters. Our customer service um, excellence is a big priority for us. So you can call us seven days a week. You'll get access to a care coordinator on our team. 
who can support you with picking the right therapist, with changing your schedule, et cetera, et cetera. And so my goal is like high-touch boutique therapy office that's virtual and, not, and national. That's great. Well, you're clearly very patient-driven. You're clearly very clinician-driven. So here comes the big Dragon's Den slash Shark Tank question. And that is, of course, how does your business make money? Are you willing or able to share how you split the revenue with your clinicians? Or maybe, Megan, talk more about your business model. Great question, because I think in the industry, oftentimes our clients don't know. So, you know, obviously the Canadian mental health system has a big way to go in terms of improving access to funding. And I would love to say that our clients have, you know, funding from OHIP for mental health counseling, but they don't. And so our model is built on one where our therapists sign on with us. They are on a compensation plan. So depending on the number of clients they see, depending on how much they're invested in growing with us, depending on, you know, how much revenue they bring in from sessions and and how much they co- are committed. So, you know, do they are they senior therapists who support their colleagues? Are they doing workshops in the community? All of that impacts their compensation model. So there's a lot of work that goes into supporting a brand new junior therapist. So they are on a lower compensation than, say, a senior therapist with a full caseload. And our revenue is primarily driven by sessions. And so in business, there's this idea of a queen bee role. So what is the most important action within the business that everyone else who is employed by the company, so we have 17 employees, everyone else kind of helps to contribute to making that happen. And for us, it is like excellent sessions that are completed and built. And so we are a business. We need to build for our sessions. And that's how our model works. So our revenue is primarily based on client sessions. Um, We do have a partnership with um, some family health teams in Ontario. So that's a public-private partnership where we are committing to supporting offloading their wait list. We are partnered with Maple, which is Canada's well-known doctor-on-demand platform. Uh, It's like an incredible entrepreneur story. And so our therapists are also on Maple. And we find that most of our clients tend to come to us for a number of reasons, but also they're funded in different ways. So some clients private pay, some clients have employer benefits that covers their sessions. And that's been really cool to see. Like, you know, there's some amazing companies who are recognizing that the wellness of their employees also impacts the productivity of employees, the bottom line of the company. And so it's really, really cool to see some companies giving $5,000 a year, $10,000, $12,000. I just had heard of a company giving unlimited mental health benefits. And so we're seeing a lot of really great employee partnership that can really help benefit Canadians' mental health care. We do mental health education. We do a lot of workshops. However, our main bread and butter is how do we get the most quality sessions completed each month that then supports the therapist revenue and the revenue of the company. And honestly, we really believe that a healthy therapist supports healthy clients. And my number one priority is ensuring that our therapists are supported. So our therapists who work full-time typically see about 25 clients a week. That is like a standard amount for a therapist to avoid burnout, to make sure they have time to do their notes and their work. Um, to make sure they have time to ensure, you know, they might have to follow up with the client's doctor or make other phone calls or do professional development. And so, as I said, we're not a network. 
We really value our therapists and their success. We want them to grow long-term with us. And we really want them to have fulfilling, successful careers where they feel happy about their income and they're not burning out. And so I think, you know, that's something that I'm exceptionally proud of. In our industry, we don't see a lot of clinician-owned mental health companies. We see a lot of venture-backed mental health companies. We see a lot of tech-owned mental health companies. We're starting to see a lot of insurance-owned mental health companies. And something I'm so proud of is I always will be a clinician first, and I will put our therapists and our clients' care first beyond anything else. And so, you know, sometimes that leads to making really tough decisions. That leads me to often challenge that three-session model that's so common with EAP. Um, I believe our, our clients deserve the care that they need in the moment, and often that's more than three sessions. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a, an advocate in the industry because I think being a clinician um, and CEO can drive better quality mental health care for the industry. And does OHIP, our Ontario Health Insurance Plan, cover any of your services? In a way, yes, because we are partnered with some family health teams to offset counseling uh, waitlists for them. However, we don't have OHIP covered therapy. So if a client calls us and asks, is this covered by OHIP? It is not, unfortunately. Um, There are physicians who do offer like OHIP structured psychotherapy. And there's also the Ontario Structured Psychotherapy Program which um, clients can access through a referral from their family doctor. And that actually covers OHIP sessions. And so something we also pride ourselves on is if a client calls and asks about care, our care team also will talk to them about what is your budget? What are you looking for? If it makes sense for them to see someone on our team, great. If it makes sense for us to support them in finding the right service for them, whether it's through a free or low-cost provider, whether it's through an OHIP structure program, we make those recommendations. It takes so much courage to reach out for mental health. And when you call us, we will greet you and offer you the support you need and and make suggestions. If you're not the right fit for our company, you're not going to be left alone and abandoned. We're going to make suggestions to support you in finding the right fit for you. Now, your clients are across Canada, but because you are virtual, could you expand your services worldwide? Oh, good question. Yes. So, You know, I'm always proud to share the stat that, you know, just through Shift Lab, we've supported almost 16,000 clients all across Canada. Last year alone, we had about 41,000 sessions from Shift Lab. Add on top of that another 6,000 through our Maple Partnership. We're really seeing growth in the industry and people accessing therapy and in clients wanting support. Our challenge with expanding internationally, honestly, is managing the regulatory bodies. So just like physicians, we are regulated by province. And some therapists are licensed to practice across multiple provinces. So they apply to another province, get approval, they can support clients virtually in that province. But our industry is a little stagnant in recognizing that digital mental health practice is the norm. And clients are more mobile, you know, across the world than they ever have been before. And so we really keep an eye out on which countries are regulated, which countries can we actually support clients in. If one of our clients is traveling, can we support them in that country or can we not? And honestly, it's it's not great. Sometimes clients are like, I don't understand. And we're like, honestly, we don't either. We want our industry to keep up with the changing market. However, at this time, we still see a lot of growth opportunity in Canada. 
And so, you know, maybe a next move would be to move to the United States. But at this time, Canada, we love our Canadian clients and we love supporting them. And there's a lot of movement we can still have. So that feels good. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview, please check out the more than 200 additional episodes available anytime. We got Chef Susur Lee, Body Breaks Hal Johnson, comedian Paul Reiser, Michael Pinball Clemens, our UN ambassador Bob Ray, Maple Leafs captain Rick Vive, Dragon's Den's Wes Hall, and TVO's Steve Pakin. How they did it directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365 wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to torontolegends.ca. And Megan, in terms of scaling your business, is it simply a function of adding additional clinicians? Oh, you're asking me all these good questions today. Admittedly, scaling is tricky. So, you know, we are in a growth phase right now where we are building the support system through staffing to ensure that we can best support clients, that we have the best technology, that we have the best resources, both for our clients and clinicians. And so, you know, scaling is something that being as we're not a network, we don't we only hire about 7% of applicants who apply to work with us as a therapist. We are very selective. Um, currently, our scaling plan is really, you know, growing in Ontario, expanding to other provinces, making sure our tech can align with that. So right now, you know, we're working on on some tech improvements because our current platform we use does not work well across time zones. And so it's really tough, you know, for a therapist living in Ontario with a client in BC. So our goal is, you know, let's get our tech moving in the way we need to keep expanding. And also, let's make sure that as we scale and grow, we get the right clinicians supporting gaps in service and who can really do the work. So we do a lot of work, actually, which I'm really proud of because it's not common in our industry around supporting therapists with their caseload stats. So, you know, why do you think you have a meet and greet and you're you're not having, you know, as many clients convert? Why do you think some clients are dropping off after one or two sessions? What could you diff- do differently in your initial session to support that client to feel heard, safe, supported so that they want to come back for care? We know that clients who come for multiple sessions obviously get more care and better care and build skills. And so we really are working at supporting our therapists in their areas of development. And this is really novel in our industry. So when you see data from other companies where they say we have 2,000 therapists or we've had this many clients, something that they don't actually say is, you know, oh, but those ther- those clients only came for a meet and greet. Or, oh, like, you know, 50% of our clients drop off after the first session. And so... I prefer to share data that actually means that the clients are getting care. And that means our therapists know how to best offer care and everybody benefits when their therapists are skilled. So that's something we've been really working on as we think of scaling. We're making some great hires. We're hiring some more senior clinicians. Our industry actually, you know, there's since the pandemic, there's been an explosion of therapists into the market. There's a new regulatory body that regulates registered psychotherapists. There's a private school who honestly keeps pumping out psychotherapists. And oftentimes, therapy is not an entrance to practice role. So, you know, you might want to work at a community agency. You might want to, like, I, I started my career working in hospice, travel all around Toronto with, like, a printed map 
and took the bus to like Thorncliffe and all these communities offering community hospice. And that shaped, you know, not only my counseling skills, but also my ability to, you know, understand risk, make decisions like strong clinical decisions, make sure I am, you know, practicing ethically. And so what we're seeing is a rise of therapists opening private practice um, straight out of school. And so as we're scaling, we're looking at the industry and thinking, how are we hiring the best fit? How are we doing or I guess playing our role in, you know, bringing on student placements and supporting students in developing the skills that they need to practice independently? And how are we identifying risks and challenges in the industry and advocating to ensure client care is protected? And so all of this comes with that scaling conversation because, you know, we do get a a lot of applicants for therapists. However, we need to make sure that we're hiring skilled therapists or we're hiring a group of therapists that we commit to their development and growth over time. And so, you know, we're really mindful of of recognizing cl- some clients want more junior therapists. They feel it might be more relatable. Other clients want more seniors. We recognize that. And at the same time, we're mindful of, you know, as a business, how much energy are we putting into therapist development? How much do we want to support them? And we know that we want quality therapists. So that means that we have to hire quality therapists. And on that note, are you still an active practicing clinician yourself? And if so, how do you balance your time as a practitioner versus your time as the CEO with responsibilities to run the business itself? So currently I'm not practicing, but like most entrepreneurs, you work in the business and you work on the business as it's growing. So for the first, I guess, five years into Shift Collab, maybe let's actually, let's say four, the pandemic time has got me a little, I'm like, what year did I stop? But honestly, I stopped in 2019 for being a full-time clinician. 2020, I windled down my final clients, um, recognizing that I was essentially working two jobs. So I was working a full-time job as a clinician. I was working a full-time job, growing, scaling, running a business, doing all the marketing. I started the clinic on my own and actually merged companies with my co-founder, who's now my husband. But initially, I launched that clinic in Yorkville on my own. So I was running the business on my own, trying to learn how to get therapists busy while at the same time seeing my own clients. In 2020, I finally fully wound down. I was pregnant. I knew I wanted to take a mat leave. And I also knew it wasn't sustainable to work two jobs anymore. I was burning out. And so I'm now not a practicing clinician, but that clinician is inside me every single day. I talk to therapists every day. I support our clinical team. We have a clinical director. We have a clinical manager. We have clinical leads. I'm involved in shaping the best in quality care for our team. And in my role as CEO, I spend countless hours advocating for what the mental health system in Canada can look like and how we can get there together with private public partnerships. And so I miss the therapy aspect. And who knows, maybe one day, you know, I may go back. But at this time, the company needs me as a full-time CEO. And as I said, I'm expecting. So I'm actually starting to think about, well, how do I wind down? How do I delegate so I can have a little bit of a mat leave and then come back to a team that, that feels supported and cared for? Well, warning, Megan, this leads into the really tough question that's now coming your way. Every business has to have an exit strategy or an anticipated liquidity event. But how can you do that when you are the business and there's only one Megan, or or in this case, there's only one Megan and Jordan? I grew Shift Collab 
out of the desire to have an impact. I wanted to have an impact in the mental health space. I grew up in Cape Breton, small town. We are known as being gritty. Um, and, and I like to think we get the reputation of being friendly too. But throughout my career as a social worker, something that I always saw was how do we solve for this gap in the mental health space of giving quality care, making an impact on the system, and ensuring that clients get access to the mental health supports they need. And so when it comes to an exit, obviously every business owner has to think about what an exit could look like. We have to plan ahead. Our industry is moving very quickly. We're seeing the rise of major insurance companies opening up their own digital mental health clinics. We're seeing insurance companies start partnering with those giant clinics. You know, admittedly, I watched a lot of news and I look at our industry trends. And right now I'm I'm fearful that we're moving into a similar U.S.-based model of the in-network model. We see it with some of our insurance uh, companies, unless we're registered, say, through one of the big ins- insurers, um, that insurance company pays out our clients three days later. And so we're starting to see this development of this in-network model. I am worried about that and the impact on Canadians. We saw it recently with the discussion of Manulife partnering with Loblaws on only spe- serving specific medications. Um, luckily, they withdrew it, but I, I am seeing that starting. And what I'm doing is starting to challenge, you know, how can we look at our own business in a way that, you know, isn't going to force us to rely on major insurers to be a part of their network that will continue to advocate for clinician and client care first, and that will allow for the sustainability of other small mental health businesses all across Canada. And so there are so many therapists employed in private practice whether they're working at a clinic or have their own business. And so something I think is really important is to be mindful of how do we stay up to date in terms of what's happening in the industry? How do we set ourselves up for long-term sustainability as a business? And, you know, I think every every company sets themselves up to be like, if we do need to sell or liquidate at some point, what could that look like? And so, you know, we look at all the options, but it's always down to how are we continuing to have the impact that we want that aligns with our values. I like that. And it's a very interesting how you note your industry is changing so quickly with this move towards venture back, technology back, insurance back networks. So clearly there's a lot of shakeouts still to come. I want to bring it right down to the granular level. Talk about keeping things in house. How do you like working with your co-founder and uh, now husband Jordan? I love getting asked this question because You know, I think about my days in downtown Toronto and, you know, Toronto is really what set us up. So I was running the clinic on my own. He was running a mental health speaking agency. He had just done a a TED talk. He had come off, you know, a, a viral Internet story that was really hard on him. And I was living near the Porter Airport terminal and he was actually living um, on Toronto Island writing a book uh, at Artscape. And it was the middle of like early January. It was the middle of winter. It was really cold. And he definitely just wanted someone to hang out with on the other side of the ferry. And so that is how we met. You know, we went through a quick period of dating. Didn't work out. We became really good friends. We launched a podcast together years ago called Imposter Cast. I'm really proud of it. Also, we recognize how much work it is to podcast. So kudos to you. 
And we through that, we interviewed Trontonians about stories around, you know, times that they felt like they were faking it, what it felt like to be an imposter. And through that journey, you know, he and I really bonded. And so we started to merge our companies because we realized he was working really hard to get speakers busy, although he was the most in-demand keynote speaker on his roster. I was working hard to get our therapist busy. I was still the most in-demand. And we recognized that what was happening on keynote stages, people would come up to him afterwards, be like, how do I how do I keep this momentum in my workplace? How do I keep this momentum in in my campus? And here I was in client sessions all day and my clients were like, well, how do I bring these strategies to my workplace? How do I get, you know, this into my day to day life? So we realized there was something here where we could partner, merge companies, and it actually worked out really well. I will say all business partnerships are like a marriage. So all business partners have to go through working on the relationship dynamics. You work on dealing with, I guess I'll call it like a sense of control. So so what are you in control in? What's your zone of genius? How do you not like power balance or power battle for control over over making decisions, et cetera? So Joe and I started dating again, you know, 20, I want to say 2017, 2018. And something that we did that was so helpful for us is we hired a family business coach. And so that coach helped us to be able to communicate what do we need? Where do we each see our zone of genius? Where can we best serve in the company? There's a reason we're not co-CEOs. He is now our chief growth officer. He's moving into our chief chief operational um, role. But, you know, it's really it's really important that we have a healthy relationship. We have a very healthy marriage. We go to therapy. We do the work because we recognize that our company and our work culture depends on us being healthy. We also recognize that if our company doesn't feel healthy, so it's it's the same way around, vice versa, if our company doesn't feel healthy, we bring it home. And so we actually have extra incentive to have a really strong and thriving business because we bring it home and we want to feel good at home and have a really strong and thriving relationship because we bring relationship dynamics to work. We all do. And everyone wants their founders to feel safe and healthy and thriving. And so I'd be lying if I I was saying, yeah, it just like worked out really well. You know, I don't think that's fair to most entrepreneurs. It's really tough and it takes ongoing work. And just like any marriage takes work, every business relationship takes work and effort. But that effort is worth it because you see it. It gives you returns twofold for all the work you put in. When you talk about bringing it home, do you talk shop over dinner or do you have a rule? No business talk at the kitchen table. Well, okay. Admittedly, we do talk shop at dinner, but honestly, it tends to have and flow. So, you know, sometimes we finish our work days and we're both like spent and there's just, we don't need to talk. We talked enough at work. Other times, you know, other times it's really awesome. I tend to be a verbal thinker. I think out loud. I solve problems out loud. He doesn't appreciate it when I do it first thing in the morning when he's like already been up for three hours. He's in his deep work and I'm like, so I was thinking about like, you know, how we can move this or how we can grow this or this partnership. And so he's not always a fan of that. So we've learned to communicate, um, you know, when it works for us, when it doesn't. But it's really cool to be able to just brainstorm, you know, after we put our kid to bed, we might be like, hey, I was thinking about this thing or, hey, I feel like there's some conflict here at work. Do you have any suggestions for me? 
There's a book actually called Thanks for the Feedback. And years ago, I read it. And it it actually has been really helpful for my relationship where, you know, I say to my husband, you know, I, I just I, I want your feedback. Can you like give me some feedback or I need some information or this is I'm not telling you this as my business partner that you're my husband right now. Just let me vent like or give me your perspective as my husband. And so like with any relationship where we wear multiple hats, it's important to be clear around what we need. And sometimes I don't know what I need. Sometimes I'm like, a, you know, I might be venting. But as our toddler gets older, you know, I'm mindful that he too is hearing this. And we're always constructive. But I think more more recently, our dinner has been talking about Peppa Pig and you know, how his day was and how we're going to have a dance party after dinner in the living room. And this new hat that we get to wear as parents has been so rewarding. It reminds me why I do what I do. It reminds me that I'm shaping in a system and an industry that my child will be a part of. Everyone experiences mental health challenges or stress or you know, needs to work on their mental wellness. So I want to build a system that I'm proud of where, you know, I'm shaping the future for what it could look like for my son and my future daughter who's coming in June. And so, you know, I think I think it's really important. And and doing the work matters. You know, initially, something we always talk about is when we first became business partners, it was really tough for me as a woman in business. So Sometimes we would go to meetings and we'd be signing deals with with partners. And to be clear, not Maple, they are amazing. Um, but there was some other partners who, you know, really just like handed Jordan the documents to sign. They would default to Jordan and call him to talk about making changes in our deals. And, you know, I'm the president of the company. He is he jokes. He's like, I'm the secretary. That's the legal role uh, in our in our documents. But, you know, it really was tricky. And I have to give him credit. You know, our company is made up of 91% women. And he is the only male right now on our 17-person staff team. And he really has really taken to heart what it means to be a female working in, in the mental health industry or any industry, especially in leadership. You know, he he does a lot of keynotes, but oftentimes he will say, like looking at the roster, you don't need another white man on the stage. And he is such an advocate for allyship and supporting raising other people, raising them up, raising other people up. And that has really inspired me. And it has also in the past been like, you know, a point of frustration where I'd be like, they that company did it again and they defaulted to you. And like, how do I present myself as a CEO? So they stopped doing that. And I'm really grateful that you know, he had the insight and self-awareness to acknowledge it and support me in it while also like demanding better from the people who were doing it. When you have the right business partner at the right time, it makes a huge difference. That's fantastic. You got the family growing, you got the business growing. And Megan, as we wrap up, what is next for Shift Collab? Shift Collab is going to be the go-to mental health a custom therapy and matching company in Canada. We are the leaders in quality care. We are the leaders in having the best group of therapists who are committed to our clients. We have brand recognition. We have the best partnerships with some of the most innovative brands. And we're continuing to advocate and demand more 
both from the public sector uh, and funding for mental health and also for what our industry can look like moving forward in the future. I truly believe that especially, you know, as our company is 91% women, I know that women-owned businesses tend to thrive while they're bootstrapped. I see our team working hard every single day. And I am just so grateful that we will continue to grow. We will, you know, we're hoping to fit hit eight figures this year. You know, I know that we will continue to grow and have impact in the mental health space while, you know, still feeling like a community, a network, and really living our values. So I'm excited, honestly, about what the future holds. And a soon second time mom to be. It might look a little different for me and my work over the next six months, but my team is so incredible that I'm just so grateful every single day we champion a mission and we do that with our partners who believe in the same mission. So Shift Collab has a really bright future and um, I hope you'll follow along for the journey. We will, without a doubt, exciting times ahead. So Megan, where can we best follow you and where can we best follow Shift Collab? Yes. So you can find me. My best place to follow me is on Instagram at Megan Rayfuse, uh, M-E-G-A-N-R-A-F-U-S-E. You, I'm also on LinkedIn. And you can find Shift Collab at www.shiftcollab.com. That's C-O-L-L-A-B. Or at the Shift Collab on Instagram we post a lot of content. We care about showcasing mental health strategies and tips. We have lots of free events and webinars, and we really believe in building community. As humans, we're wired for connection, and we are happy if our online spaces offer that and that you know you join our community and follow along. Excellent. Well, I learned a ton, and I especially am happy that I learned about the zone of genius. I'm going to be uh, using that in going forward for sure. Megan, it's been great to meet you today. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for explaining your business. And clearly, there is very exciting times ahead for not only you, but your family. So I want to wish you continued success. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure to have you. And to the listeners, on behalf of Megan Rafuse, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell, Blundell Network. Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better... Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. 
and listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.